1: Now it's his turn to help me conquer my phobia of scary movies over one spooky night in the FBI studios, one Wikipedia synopsis at a time. This is Spooker. So most podcasts don't do what I like. I like it when a podcast starts mid-sentence and you feel like, there you are, you're rolling along. Wow, we've just come into this this, this bit of a conversation. Aren't we privileged and lucky Um, to be joining this conversation while it's in full flow. Um, Great, high energy stuff. And, you know, because other podcasts, they start up and say, oh, hey, guys, good to see you for another week. Send us some money on Patreon. Hey, we've got a few sponsors. Uh, What have you been up to? Thanks for listening to your last episode. And it's like, yeah, look, I get it. Like, I am technically a podcaster and I get it. And that's fine. And that's no shade thrown at any other podcasts. But I just like to get straight into it. And Shag, you and I are very good at having any disagreements in our relationship on air. Like when you and I interact in person, I'm not sure we've had an argument for maybe two decades or something like that. Hmm. And so the only time we really disagree is when the record button's on. So you and I have got a bit of a different approach to how to start this week.
0: That is such a good point. We don't argue when we're IRL. But for some reason on this podcast, we argue a lot, which is hilarious. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's that distance. I'm sure a psychologist could tell us more. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if we have any LinkedIn influencer psychologists following us. But if we do, please let us know. Um, there's a couple of things I want to say. First of all, I don't know if that was a subtweet about how long our intro is. Like every week, <laughs> I think maybe I should shorten our intro. I feel
1: like it does get longer every week. I, like I really actually <laughs> do and I feel like there's a P that I say in there that pops really hard uh, and and you know I try to skip through it each week
0: Peach I am learning to record as we go so See? give me a little although to be fair it's been a long like I should have learnt by now like it's been it's been long enough why
1: don't I do it right now let's make it this hey guys Spooko I don't know much about <laughs> horror films but I'm here to learn okay great. okay another one another one um all right go uh what's up horror films wikipedia page i don't like horror films shag does he's gonna help me through let's start (laughs)
0: okay one but just like super quick like 10 words max
1: horror films scare some people i'm one let's go (laughs) spooko that
0: was actually really good that was really good that was really good um I hear what you say Mm. about, like, let's get straight into the I feel like you're just about
1: to agree. When you say I hear what you say, I'm like, oh, here comes agreeing (laughs) just around the corner.
0: I just want to do a tiny bit of housekeeping first up. So I want to say thank you, first of all, to everybody who's listening to the fact that uh, I realized just recently that a lot of our listeners aren't from Australia. So thank you for bearing. Yeah. So thank you for bearing with all our references to Sydney that are very Sydney specific. Um, Hopefully it lets you travel the world without, you know, being able to leave your houses depending on where you are. Um, Second of all, uh, I want to say a special thanks to all the friends of the pod who've been suggesting films for us to do. Friends of the pod, Rob. Friends of the pod, Ruby. New friend of the pod, Audrey all had great suggestions they've all been added to the list they will be being done at some point in the near future Mm. we do one of these every week so we do need as many suggestions as you can so hit us up uh we exist on instagram at the moment mainly search spooko that's where we are but the final thing i wanted to say is the fact that peach it's our 52nd episode Mm. and i know that you know we've we've had you know intermissions we've stopped for weeks here and there yeah but you know in the timeline of a horror film, because this is all about horror films, mm. that's 52 weeks, that's a full year. And I feel like it's a great time to reflect on, you know, where we've come in this massive journey. And lots of things have happened. You know, yep. we've gone on so many different tangents, but we've always remained true to the fact that you don't like horror films. I'm trying to get you interested in them. Where are you at on that journey?
1: I think it's a two steps forward, one step back kind of a journey. So so we're trending up which is to say we're trending up towards horror films. And there've been a couple of a couple of little blinks. I think about 10 episodes ago, I said I was further from watching a horror film than I've ever been. <laughs> then um, I listened to a neuro-linguistic programming life coach or whatever buzzwords we can apply. And um, my brain was reprogrammed or, or, or whatever the line is. And just over recent weeks, I've become more and more bullish. And I feel like I'm now closer to watching a horror film than ever. So close, in fact, that I nearly sent you a text last night to say, I might just fuck around and watch Hereditary. Everyone's gone to sleep, right? So the fact that that's where my head's at means that I'm sort of inclined to start setting up a program for how I'm going to watch my first horror film. So firstly, the scenario, right? Uh, The two scenarios I've got, and I'll be grateful for your input, are... um, I wait till nighttime and everyone's gone to sleep, turn all the lights off, watch hereditary, try to have the most authentic, spooky experience I can. The other one is do it in the daytime, watch two or three interviews with the actors, choose a goofy 80s one where I can see the special effects are fake and it's really short, and try to treat myself as gently and as lightly as I can so that I'm just dipping my toe in. Now, Shag, you know how my personality works. And, <laughs> and I think you know where I'm leaning between those two. And I just feel like a bit, a bit of guidance for you. Like, you know, we are progressing along the Spooko journey. It's been a year or it's been 52 episodes or whatever it's been. And I feel like watching a horror film is approaching on the horizon. And I feel like the fact that I've seen some of these before, like I've seen The Shining. I saw that 20 years ago. I've seen Event Horizon, which Too Scary Didn't Watch did. Um, I've seen Lady in Black, the scariest one of all. You know, like, I haven't seen Zero Zero. And so I'm feeling like it's closer and closer.
0: I think that's so exciting. So I do have a a viewpoint on this. And you'll be surprised to know that I disagree with you. In that I know you would like to go hardcore into it and, you know, have a really authentic, scary experience. But, Pete, you're a parent, right? And you (laughs) understand that... You know, when introducing your kids to things for the first time, if you fuck up that first time, uh, you scar them for life, right? Yes. Like, you know, and, and this is the experience you had as a child. Yep. So just trying to replicate that experience doesn't feel like the right way to go. And let me explain why I believe this. So mm. um, first of all, shout out to the legends from Too Scary Didn't Watch. Oh, they yeah. were on our show last week. Listened to the show last week. It was super fun. So Sammy from Too Scary Didn't Watch... I you know highly trust her opinion on film. She's both a working editor and a big fan of Keanu. Like that's two ticks in my you know <laughs> uh, film love box. But so one of the, one of the things uh, I noticed her saying on socials is her favorite film from last year uh, is an Australian film called The Nightingale, which is the follow up from the director of The Babadook. Okay. Now I was so worried about watching this film purely because if like, I'm not going to spoil it. And this is not the, this is not the podcast to talk about this film. Cause this it's film is like, serious okay, cool. as hell. Cool, 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 and cool. it's, it's a phenomenal film, but the opening half an hour is almost unbearable to watch. And I, I knew that from, you know, it being talked about from the Sydney film festival last year. I knew that from people who'd seen it and told me, uh, like I knew that from people who were like, maybe, you know, wait till your kids are a bit older. And you can watch that. You'll be able to watch the film. Right. So it, it has, it has an incredibly hard, difficult, you know, beginning, but i wanted to watch it because it's about Australia's history. And I felt it was really important. So I did two things that Spooko has taught me to get ready for it. The first thing I did was read the Wikipedia. Yes. So I wanted to know exactly what was going to happen. So there were no surprises reading the wikipedia i was like fuck okay all right well at least i know at least i know what's gonna happen now when i was watching it i am so surprised that i leaned on your advice so so and this is this is absolutely true so i watched it so i watched it during the day in the morning while i was folding some ironing so i had something else you know like i was Mm. i was doing something else you know it felt very normal i wasn't in a scary moment And during this particular scene, and again, if you've you've seen The Nightingale or if you've heard about it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I spent the whole time in my brain saying, good on these people for making an important film. Look at them, they're acting so well. They're making, and like, even to the point where I was like, wow, look at them. They're making a really, you know, international professional film in Australia. I'm really happy for the industry and being able to disassociate myself with what was happening on screen by being like, these actors are doing an important thing, you know, as it was going helped me. So I think Peach, to be honest, starting with Hereditary, great call, watch it during the day. And make sure you apply all of those tricks that you've learned as you're watching it, because what you need to do more than anything, you just need to get like, you know, you're a fan of crickets. So I'm not, but and so I don't know if this is even a good metaphor, but yeah. you just need to get some runs on the board. Like you don't want to go out and like smash a six straight <laughs> away you just want to get in there, get some singles, get to your confidence up. get your up.
1: Eye in. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with you. This is this is this is a good, useful metaphor. This is good. That's
0: what I. That's what I think. So anyway, so so that's what I think you should do. So I'm really excited about that.
1: But should it be hereditary though? Should should it should it then be Gremlins 2 or something, or should it be Ringu?
0: No, I think it should be hereditary, because the the problem is if you go too soft straight away, it lulls you into a false sense of security. I think you go hard but in a soft way, rather than an entirely hardcore experience. If that, and then sense. I have a
1: palate cleanser. Do I have what the YouTube of Kevin Peterson's uh, 158 against South Africa in 2012 <laughs> at Headingley, <laughs> like queued up or something? Like, I don't even
0: do I know have some sort is. of palate, palate cleanser?
1: Oh, it's just uh, amazing innings played against the country of his birth. It was pretty amazing. So, like, Kevin Peterson is this batsman who's playing for England, but he was born in South Africa. We're talking about cricket, first yeah, of yeah, all, yeah.
0: Just, to, just to place us in in where where this conversation's gone.
1: And he's never really accepted into the team, right? And his name's KP. And during the preceding week, a Twitter account called KP Genius is founded that all of his 10 teammates follow. And it's basically, like, mocking him for being this, like, arrogant, hubristic idiot. And so... He gets to this position where he feels like everyone in the change room hates him. And he's he's playing against South Africa, the nation of his birth. And he played for the South African under-19 team. And so he feels more allegiance with his opponents than he does with his team. And cricket's a pretty crazy sport because you play eight hours a day, five days in a row, and you're just in that bubble. So he's just percolating with these people who follow a Twitter account that makes fun of him and hurts his feelings, right? And he's playing against South Africa, the nation of his birth. And he goes out and um, cricket's such a cerebral game, right? It's so much about where your head's at. Like everyone is basically genetically at a very, very similar level of sporting excellence. And similar to basketball, what sort of sets you apart is your ability to find that extra place. And so he just goes somewhere in this innings where he's just like violently dismissive of his opponents and it is this like cathartic experience where <laughs> he hates his teammates. He's like joking with his opponents, and he plays one of the greatest Test innings that have ever been played. And so maybe hereditary followed by highlights of that of that innings will be the way to go.
0: Amazing, amazing. All right. Well, look before we get into um, uh, before we get into the episode today. Yeah. Um,
1: like what was with last week's?
0: So, the the episode last week.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. the the, uh, just the crossover. Had like, uh, so I, uh, I, guess we do have all our arguments on air. Um, it, like it was all right. Um, but uh, it was it but, was a
0: good episode. It was a really good episode.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, uh, sorry, sorry uh, just quickly. So I went through it to the end on ours, and I I didn't know what happened with my. Do you remember at the end? I was talking about Clarence, and I was rounding it out. And it didn't come up on our side or on Too Scary, Didn't Watch side. Like, I, I sent you my audio, or did you just have the Zoom um, audio?
0: No, 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 no. You, this is really weird. So, you cut, your audio cuts out.
1: So, I was talking about the Clarence. End, you, you know, old great. Like, like, you, like, you know Clarence. No, we, we've spoken about DJ Dog.
0: Hang on, hang on. D, and DJ Dog is amazing. We should talk about this more often. But, well, I fucking... um, no, but real talk, real talk, real talk. The audio you sent and the Zoom you sent. Like it cuts off, and to the point where, like, you left a message in the channel that was like, "Hey guys, I gotta go." Um And so, well, M
1: M said something weird. M was like, Peach has got to go do his life admin," or, and man, I like.
0: Hang on, let me let me get the Let me get the chat.
1: Because she's got her cats, and I saw my dogs and.
0: You no, you weren't. Let me let me get the chat. It says, "So just as we're Is that about the chat to chat, to where the Sammy end the- sent
1: the trailer? Because Sammy sent the trailer through."
0: Yeah, Sammy sent the trailer, and then just as we're about to get the end. Yeah. You write in the chat, hang on, because then, because you write something in the chat to be like, hey, I've got to be responsible or something. i got to go. Well, Let it. me I... just find exactly what you write. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Let me file? find exactly no, what on, you no, wrote. No, so you literally wrote, I'm sorry, I'm responsible. And then the chat cuts out. And then that's the only file I had.
1: So, like, and that's in the Zoom... Look... That, no, that like, is in the yeah, yeah, look, No, no, no. Okay, like, Who cares? Who cares, who cares. Let's let's not um, actually have. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Let's just do Shag and Peach. We uh... never argue. We'll just brush it under the rug. Yeah. So
0: that is weird. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I'll have to that, retell
1: but... the anecdote after I retell. All
0: right, yeah. Like like later. We'll do, on. Anyway, we'll do so... it next week.
1: We'll do it next week. Maybe you can properly record it that time. You fucking idiot. Oh, but anyway, God, that's it. it was
0: not me. It was you. It was you. Anyway, like who the fuck knows? Anyway, look, it's week fifty-two. Uh, you know, technically it's our year anniversary. And I wanted to do a film that, you know, harked back to the goofiness because... Sick. I I think we've been missing that a little bit. And this is a new film that I watched recently. Uh, Shout out to people who have Australian Netflix because it's just been trending there lately. So I figure if you've seen that trending and you've been like, I'm too scared to watch it, I want to show you. I'm actually surprised about how goofy it is considering it's, you know, a sequel to one of the most chilling horror films of all time uh today we're doing the triumvirate we're doing something that's goofy something that was written by stephen king and something that stars ewan mcgregor who i've since decided is amazing i don't know
1: where like why i wasn't thinking he was amazing he's great a lifeless ordinary soundtrack forever sorry shag today we're doing (laughs) i know which one don't i know it's dog sleep Trailers are the greatest form of media there are. That's easy. Game over. They just
0: are. They just are.
1: That trailer made me nostalgic for a film I didn't care about. The Shining. I'm like, yeah, I've seen The Shining. And there I was like, oh, remember the classic scenes from The Shining? (laughs) And it reminds me of how like the new Top Gun trailer, it makes me nostalgic for the film Top Gun that I've never seen. And it's just (laughs) like, I'm just like, oh, yeah, remember all the classic, you know, goose and ice goose and snow queen and all that sort of stuff? Man, Doctor <laughs> <Snow> Sleep. <Queen. laughs> Mal Gilmer's probably so, called Snow Queen in the film.
0: So, a couple of things worth talking about Doctor Sleep before we get into it. Um, I don't know if you remember, like, I, I, like, I don't. It was definitely something like because b- both of us sort of, you know, came of age in the nineties, mm. and I don't know if this experience continues into the noughties and the the teens, but you know, a big part of coming of age and enjoying popular culture is listening to pop punk music. Yeah, man. And pretty much every pop punk band in the world has posited the record industry or, you know, any sort of industry making money off the arts as evil and money grubbing, right? Yeah,
1: bleh.
0: And And I think when you look at the story of how this film came to life, it really just goes to show how, like, pretty much the film industry only cares about money. So this book was written in 2013. They basically had a film version ready to go from the moment it came out, but they only were like, maybe we should put out a film version of um, Doctor Sleep after like It 1 and 2 and then Pet Sematary made heaps of money. And they were like, fuck, what other Stephen King movies can we release? (laughs) So like, there's no illusions. Like there's no art in the film industry. And that's fine. We can just all accept that. Pop punk bands were right. And I kind of love that because... Every pop-punk band gets really depressing as they grow up, so it's oh. good to know that at least some of their principles, you know, meant
1: something. Do you know Lagwagon? Uh, we're going to tour and play at the Metro before COVID happened?
0: Oh, Lagwagon! They
1: must be 50? 50, 50? 50, oh. 45, 50?
0: And chain wallets are somehow cool again. Chain wallets have been gone from being like no, the coolest thing you could possibly. They? No, they're oh like in a kind of like Gently can you ironic. deal with the fact that I'm wearing a chain wallet sort of way? <laughs> but you know, no one goes out anyway now, so I don't know what is cool anymore. Anyway, so um another point about this film is that we we know that Stephen King hated the film version of The Shining, but yeah. everyone loves that and nobody really remembers the book version. Dr. Sleep was, as a book, was kind of meant to be like, fuck the film version. Here's the sequel to my The Shining. But obviously, if you're going to make this successful, it has to acknowledge the film. So the director has made several hilarious statements to the press where he's basically like, look, this is a sequel to Stephen King's The Shining, but it absolutely exists in Stanley Kubrick's film universe. So, like, that doesn't really mean anything except for the fact that he's basically going, I'm pleasing everybody. Yeah, like like if look, you want to like, look, I've got my pleased, cake
1: here, right? Here's my cake. <laughs> I'm going to eat some. <laughs> I'm going to have both. It's still here, though. <laughs> yeah. If you want the c- cakes yeah. here... Yeah, man. We've got it. It's right here. <laughs> All
0: right. Okay. Like, I talk about it being a very goofy film, but it's also very much a film made... This century, so there's a lot of child killing in it. So I'm so so it's it's the goofiness of Stephen King's goofiest work, and generally all his work is pretty goofy, mixed with like the A24, let's like make you feel very disturbed. So with that in mind, let's do this. Let's do Doctor Sleep from 2019. Okay, so sometime after the Overlook incident. Now the Overlook is the hotel that Jack Nicholson was the caretaker in, and eventually went mad, and somehow became a spirit that existed in 1920. Yeah, and sort
1: in the... of gobbled up by the hotel.
0: <laughs> Look, it, it wasn't. It didn't make perfect sense. It was. It was the Donnie Darko of horror films. <laughs> like, just don't try and think about it too much. And it makes perfect sense. That's so
1: funny. It, it's a great analogy because I remember leaving Donnie Darko being like, "Yeah, man, I get it." <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, so sometime after, but while Danny... So you remember Danny Torrance is like the kid in The Shining, is still a kid. He and his mother, Wendy, live in Florida. And the idea was they they wanted to go somewhere where it would never be cold again because all of that stuff happened when it was snowing and they freaked out. And I think that's actually a kind of nice moment. Now, Dick Halloran, who you may remember as being the kindly caretaker mm. who comes to save them but then gets an axe in the back, still sort of exists as a spirit in, you know, Danny's world. And one of the things, one of the, I guess, it's not really a theme because they don't do anything with it, but basically one of the one of the things that exist in the universe of Doctor Sleep and yeah. then obviously The Shining as well because they exist in the same film <laughs> universe yeah. is that after you die, you can be a ghost and do stuff. So you don't die and that's it. Like something happens after you die. Oh, yeah, Like we you can pour you, drinks you were-
1: or unlock doors in so- film one. I get it. Yeah, basically. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So with that in mind, like Dick Halloran is still Danny's sort of mentor um, who sort of helps him to hone his shining. Because he's basically like, look, you've still got a really good gift and I just want to help you do cool stuff with it. Um, So he explains that uh, Danny is still... Like even though they've escaped the hotel, the ghosts from the hotel are still super hungry and want to haunt and kill Danny, right? And there's even a scene where scary naked old woman appears in Danny's house, right?
1: Is that what they were trying to do in The Shining?
0: Well, no, like in, in this film, it's like they need to feed off you yeah, somehow. Okay. <laughs> wait, it gets even worse. It okay. gets even worse. I haven't even... One, wait till I explain what the true not are, who are the actual bad guys in this. Just fucking wait, because you this, will... This is how
1: Sammy felt in um, Matrix Reloaded. <laughs> <She was>
0: like, <laughs> <what>? <laughs> So basically, he explains that these ghosts are going to come to you, but what you need to do is you need to create. I actually kind of like this, but it 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 makes it sounds a lot better coming from a kindly old man ghost mm. sitting on a park bench in Florida. But basically, he says what you need to do is you need to create these ornate sort of jewelry boxes in your mind, just and know what they look like, know what they smell like, know how they open and close, and when you get attacked by one of these like evil ghosts. You need to trap them in your shining, in your mind, in these boxes, and you need to just slowly uh, trap them, and they're just going to keep coming to you, and you just need to keep building more boxes in your mind
1: and trap them. So far, so good. I kind of like that. I think you and McGregor, ghost hunter. I'm about it.
0: Yeah. Now he's not you and McGregor. Get the, at the moment. He's still a kid. Oh, okay. And basically, that. So they had to find. A, a kid that looks a lot like the kid from The Shining, they do a really good job they also find a uh, uh, like a really good actress playing the mum as well uh, basically there, there's a lot of allusions to the original film, there's a lot of there's a lot of payoff to people who came to the film who loved The Shining or knew of The Shining, there's a lot of times in the film it's like hey remember The Shining, this is a thing from it, this is a shot from it It's that character, you love them, you love this film, so it does. there's a lot of fan service so while that's happening, we discover there is a cult of psychic vampires, and I'll get to that in a second, called the True Knot. Now, psychic vampires don't mean they're vampires who have psychic powers. It means they feed off the life force of others, which to me I think is kind of kooky and a bit sort of dumb. And uh, apparently the, the idea of a psychic uh, vampire originally came from um, the Satanic Bible or whatever Satanic book that Anton LaVey wrote when he founded Satanism, which, as you remember, is the religion I wrote about in my year 10 assessment where we got to write about a religion and I got a really poor mark because we went to a Catholic school and they were like, Satanism isn't a religion. And I was like, well, isn't it? Cause it... <laughs> anyway, anyway. So... That's
1: classic <laughs> lag wagon <laughs> listening phase of like, yeah, man. The man doesn't want me to write about Satanism. I'm going to write about Satanism. I was genuinely
0: interested. I wasn't going to become like a Satanist. And and there's a difference between being a devil worshipper and a Satanist, but we can get there in another time. Um, But meanwhile, yeah, so basically we discover the True Knot, uh, these uh, psychic vampires. They they kind of look kooky. They kind of look like how I imagine um, Fleetwood Mac look now. They look like aging 70s rockers. They... (laughs) They travel around in, like, camper vans, in like, a, like a, you know, across the country, and basically they just look for kids with the Shining that they can kill, um, and then suck the steam out of them as they're dying, and Sick. you actually see them, like, breathe in the steam, and it's not really scary. Like, it's a bit gross, and it's a bit much seeing them kill kids, but... It's also just really dumb, but that's who the True Knot are. They're psychic vampires okay. and they kill kids with The Shining to suck out their life force. Sick. So then we cut to 2011 and Danny or Dan has become an alcoholic to suppress his Shining because he can't deal with hearing voices all the time and seeing ghosts come up and having to capture them and put them in boxes. Now, he has this sort of one night stand with this woman and... It's this kind of heartbreaking scene where he wakes up and he realises she's still totally passed out by whatever, you know, like they were doing last night. He goes to steal money from her wallet as he's about to leave. But then this, like, two-year-old comes in with, like, a totally messed up nappy. And he's like, Mommy! And so he finds the two-year-old some food and he puts the two-year-old on the bed with the passed out mum. And he's about to leave with the money and then Dick appears and he's like, Dude, you're not going to steal money from this woman. Come on. You don't like, that's not cool, which is kind of cool that like Dick is not just a guy that teaches him about the shining, but is actually kind of like uh, a real angel on his shoulder. At some point after this, he realizes he's hit rock bottom because he's still getting shining visions. And he has this vision where basically the mom appears to her dead. And then the kid also appears to him dead being like, Mommy, help! And because it, because it, it, it's something along the lines of. I think the mum goes, "No one found us because he was always screaming, so no one checked on us or something." So basically, he, the mum, OD'd. He left the kid and the mum to die when he left that day. Like it's, it's this harrowing, mm. and it just, it almost kind of doesn't need. To, like it's, it's too much. It's too much for this film about psychic vampires. But this scene exists. But anyway, so he. Then huh. goes on this big, cr- yeah, I know, right? But he goes on this <laughs> big like cross-country trip to uh, effectively just get away from it. He meets this guy called Billy Freeman, who helps him get an apartment, becomes an AA, a sponsor, and helps him get a job as a hospice orderly because he realizes that he can help the people in the hospice pass over because he can kind of see what happens when you die and he knows when they're about to Well, there's this cat that knows when they're about to die. In the book, they go into, they spend a lot more time with him as Dr. Sleep. But eventually he gets his name as Dr. Sleep because he's working in this hospice and he's kind of doing a good service because whenever people are about to die, this cat appears on their bed and then like, and then he goes in and he just sort of tells them about stuff that happened in the past or you know tells them about the loved ones that are waiting for them and just helps them pass over in this really lovely way.
1: Yeah nice.
0: While he's doing this he begins receiving telepathic communications from this girl called Abra Stone a young girl whose shining is even greater than his. So this whole time we've had this idea that his shining is great but this girl Abra Stone is like proper off the charts and this is where it becomes a bit X-Many where it's like She's basically like Phoenix or whichever character of the X-Men was like when Professor X was like I must harness her power. She like she can like basically cross the country with her mind and appear in Danny's room and like write messaging messages on his wall saying like hello. You know in the trailer where you see that yeah, hello yeah. written on the wall. That's not a scary thing. That's Abra being like trying to just communicate with someone else who has the shiny. So cut to 8 years later. Danny's life's on track. He's been communicating with Abra this whole time, but the True Knot aren't going so well. So they've had more and more trouble finding kids with The Shining, and they're all kind of starving. And because they're psychic vampires, they, need, they don't need blood to survive. They need life force to survive. And when eventually they run out of it, because they've been alive for so long, they kind of rapidly age like in uh, Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones. And, yeah, yeah, man. And, and, and it looks really painful and basically they just die and vanish and become dust within like a minute. And it's a minute of just intense suffering. And we see that happen to one of the oldest members of the True Knot. And they're basically like, like we need to find somebody. Um, eventually they, they, they find a young boy, Bradley, who's like a psychic kid on some baseball team. Um, he's, not, he's not a great, he doesn't have heaps of shining, but he has enough anyway uh they torture him to death for his steam and like it's, like it's a really full-on scene where it's like we don't need to see you talk tort- and this kid's like this kid's basically like are you gonna hurt me and like you know the the leader of the um, the true not the, the, the true not is her name's rose the hat because she wears like a top hat like as like she looks like a i don't know like an alice cooper sort of fan sort of thing <laughs> like it is it's really cheesy <laughs> And she's basically like, of course, dear, that's how we get the best steam or something. So basically they're just, like, cutting this kid as he screams uh, and they're all just, like, hovering over him. And as he screams, he releases steam and they're all, like, breathing it in, like, because they're starving.
1: Stephen King child pornographer and child torture porn writer.
0: Well, to be fair, this this is the film version of it. I don't remember there being as much child killing in the books. But anyway, so... At this point, a teenage Abra who has the Shining, and remember, the Shining isn't just Mm. a way to communicate, it's like a radio. She picks this up and she sees it. And then while she's seeing it, Rose sees her and they lock, like, they basically lock eyes. And Rose is like, oh fuck, this kid exists. Uh, And so Rose immediately is like, we have to find this kid. This kid's gonna feed us for like years. Uh, But meanwhile, Abra alerts Dan with the red rum symbol. Sick. Murder, right? So Abra visits Dan and tells him that she can track the cult if she touches Bradley's baseball glove because she saw Bradley get got murdered. She knows uh, where they buried it and she knows because one of them wore the baseball glove, like one of the Trinor wore it, she can track them, right? So at first, Dan refuses to help, telling her to like suppress The Shining because that's what he did. Um, but that night, Rose projects her consciousness across the country and infiltrates Abra's mind, you know, trying to find out where Abra is. But because Abra's more more um, powerful than Rose, traps her in her mind and finds out where she is. And it's like this cool Sick. thing. And basically Rose is like, no one's ever done that to me before. This kid's powerful. We need to get this steam now. And they become, they're, 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 basically they're, their mission then is to find this kid, and what's scary about this is that these guys are like immortal people in a road train. So they're eventually going to find you. You know, there's there's no there's no like oh well, yeah,
1: they, oh, they might turn into dust. You might outlast I mean, them, might you not? Yeah, actually, that's a really good point,
0: point. and I didn't think about that. And maybe if you just outlasted them long enough, although yeah. they'd probably be like you know, steaming kids along the way. So just like little snack oh,
1: Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, yeah, okay.
0: Now at this point, like another member of the True Knot dies. And so they're like, this is, this is a mission. We have to go do it. The, the, the other members of the True Knot are like, Rose, you've got to stay behind because she's been in your mind. So we don't want her ambushing you because now she can track you. So you've got to stay where you are. So the rest of the True Knot go off across the country to find this girl. So Dan then sort of comes to his senses and realizes we probably do need to help Abra and help this kid and get rid of these people. So he tells Billy, who's the friend that met him and got him into AA and got him his job and got him his apartment, um, about the true knot. And he's basically like, look, I know this is crazy, but if you trust me, we've got to go do this. And he has this really great line. Billy has his line where it's like, I really hope that this isn't true because then you've made it up. You're either a massive liar or you're crazy and I can deal with that. But if you're telling the truth, that's so much worse. And that's not something I can deal with. And I kind of love that. That I, mm. I love that. That's a kind of like the opposite of gaslighting. It's like, look, okay, cool. Well, what you're saying is so hard to believe that it's probably not true, but hopefully it's not because that'd be yeah. great. But maybe it is. It's like, it's actually the opposite of gaslighting. It's how everyone should treat the it's claims support, people it's make.
1: Friendship. It's friendship. It's faith and trust. It's awesome. It, it's it's friend lighting. Yeah. <laughs> Gas docking. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so they they travel across country and Abra knows where this body is buried. So they find the body, they, they dig it up. It's pretty gross. Like, again, they dig up the corpse of a mutilated child. Duh. But they find the baseball glove, yes. and then Abra knows where the true knot is. So they, then they do this cool thing. So basically, they then go like at this point, you know, Dan and Abra have never met because they're only communicating via The Shining. Mm. But they realize they have to go there to give her the glove. And there's this kind of awesome scene where basically they show up to meet Abra. And Abra's a teenager at this point, and they've been Mm. chatting since she was a child. And the dad is like, Who the fuck are you? (laughs) You, like, oh, this, the two men basically have shown up across country to meet my teenage daughter. But then Abra puts a vision in his head and is like, Look, this is all true. We have the shining. This is how we're communicating, blah, blah, blah. Bloody hell. And so basically, uh, They have this plan and it's a really good plan, in fact, where uh, because they know that the True Knot are tracking Abra, they basically drive out to a like a like a deserted picnic area Mm. and and set Abra up on a table and then go then Billy and um, Dan hide in the trees with like sniper rifles ready to pick them off the true Knot show up in one big camper van there's eight of them and one thing this wikipedia synopsis doesn't talk about is earlier on in the film we see the true Knot initiate a new member and turn this girl into a vampire and all through the film they're basically like there's lots of people who have different versions of the shining they never go into detail but they call her um it's like they i can't remember what the term is but they call her like a convincer or a talker or something and basically she has that jedi mind trick power of being able to influence people into like if she goes mm-hmm. you'll fall asleep they'll fall asleep right so this girl they turn her into a psychic vampire um, at the start of the film and so when the the true knot arrive and abra is sitting on a picnic table just waiting for them to come she like they all get out of the um, the trailer but they're all they all sort of space out in a very scary way almost like they were doing you know a search through the underbrush for a dead body mm. And uh, this this young girl goes, you know, first, goes up to her carrying a syringe, obviously to knock her out. Because mm. they don't want to kill her. They want to like torture her to yeah. death so they can have like, you know, the all stain. the sting. And so she gets really close oh. and she's like, you trust me. And Abra's like, I trust you. And it's like, uh. you're coming with us. And she's like, I'm coming with us. And the girl's like, this is easier than I thought. And Sick. she puts the syringe into Abra's neck, right? And at that point, we realize that Abra's not there. She's just projecting because she's such an amazing psychic, oh. like psychic. She's, uh, you know, she's such an amazing shining psychic that she's projecting herself onto this table. But it's actually just like a toy rabbit Sick. that they've injected it in. And at that point, Billy and Dan start opening fire on the true knot.
1: Oh, you can shoot them like you like you can physically.
0: Yeah, like it's cool. it, they're not they're not invulnerable. They just live forever. So. Okay, cool. Um and so they're shooting them and they're getting you know they're, they're pretty much getting rid of all of them
1: with, with bullets these are like yeah, we're, with, just, we're just killing them shooting them okay we're just
0: I, again like it's not, what that's the, yeah, fine it's
1: being a psychic the <laughs> same shit I've got to say like what are the like what are the good bits like,
0: you live for a long time you do li- as long as you're sucking up steam from tortured children yeah
1: cripes it's no kind of life it's no kind of life you wouldn't wish that for your children
0: so basically Dan and Billy take out all of them except the girl and they they take a shot on the girl. But just as the girl's about to die, she turns to Billy, who's Dan's friend. And remember, this is Dan's friend who saved him from like a life of like, you know, destitute, mm. gave him an apartment, got him his job and then came across country on this wild goose chase mm. and says to Billy, kill yourself. At that point, Billy takes the gun and uh. just shoots himself in the head. Uh. And so Dan's alone. They've killed most of the True Knot. But at that point, Abra's like, hang on. There's one member of the True Knot who's not there. Where is he?
1: Uh, uh, is this the climax? Like, I'm getting... Like, I'm having fun.
0: This is getting very close to the climax. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, at this point, the Abra's like, hang on. There's one person missing. Where is he? And then we realize that Abra's back in the house with her dad. The remaining member of the True Knot knew where she really was, has gone in, has killed the dad, oh. put some drugs into her, and carries her outside.
1: Oh. We then. That's a very True Knot ex machina. Like, being able to track. Like, the whole film was about how difficult it is to track her. And it's like, oh, by the way, someone <laughs> did track her. And it's like, well, like. <laughs> It's like, well, like, okay, but... And,
0: and, and, he, and here's the other thing. So then, you know, he's taking her back to Rose and he's basically... And, he like, he gives his awful speech where he's basically like, you killed all my friends, I killed your dad, and it's all your fault because we were always going to get you. We were always going to suck your steam out and we could have just taken your steam and your dad could be alive and my friends could be alive, but they're not, so deal with it. It's all your fault. And because she's, like, heavily drugged, she can't use her shining, but she calls out to Dan. And, again, like, shining ex machina, Dan is then able to possess her, her and force this guy to crash the car. And then he crashes the car, and then he dies, and then Abra's, like, stuck on a road somewhere. He's
1: an immortal who dies in a car crash. Yeah, okay. <laughs> like, like uh, uh, Okay.
0: Yeah, but anyway, so so this all sets us up for the finale, right? So Dan goes and finds her and realises that the only way they can stop this is to go back to the Overlook Hotel where it all began, and they have a reason for that. Um, meanwhile, Rose, and this is where it gets so kooky, so it turns out that they save some of the steam that these kids create in these, like, canisters. <laughs> so there's a moment where Rose goes into her, like, 70s, like, rocker, um... Uh, Traveling wagon, yeah, yeah. Yeah, van.
1: Shag and wagon, I believe, was the joke. Yeah, basically. That, 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 that people, how people used to describe it.
0: And opens all of these uh, canisters and breathes it in. to. Oh, and the more steam you have, the more super
1: powerful you are. So now oh, she's cool. like... She's charging up with powers. Yeah, yeah, sick. She's,
0: yeah, she's charging up with steam. And she's chasing across, you know, the, the country to find them. And it's basically like, you know, the only way to stop her, because she won't stop, is to go back to the Overlook Hotel where they have a plan.
1: Isn't there some uh, deeply racist um, suggestion that the reason the Overlook Hotel is so scary is that it's built on the burial ground of a First Nations tribe who were murdered there? And so...
0: Yeah, I never I never thought that that was probably a bit sketchy in terms of, like, horror ideas, because it is basically being like, oh, they're crazy voodoos yeah, to exactly. come and get you. Uh,
1: and it's pretty funny. So fun. are they the truth? Like, is that what is suggested,
0: that okay but yes there is that thought
1: this is grubby
0: anyway anyway so they go back there he basically dan says you need to stay outside um I, I think the hotel's too dangerous for you but i need to go in there and he goes into the hotel to like awaken the spirits in it and all the ghosts in it and he you know goes from room to room and and he reenacts scenes from the film. And I think there's even a scene, maybe when Rose comes into the film, where they literally just show that scene of like the elevator, like blood coming out of the elevator again, which is so <laughs> dumb. Because the whole point of that was like this moment of like descent into madness. But here they're just like, it happened again. There's more blood coming out of the elevator.
1: Classic overlook hotel stuff. That's awesome. <laughs> That's where we are. That's so good. This is like high noon. This film is more like high noon than I'd uh, than I'd <laughs> expected. <laughs>
0: And, and you know what's actually really funny? Then he goes into the bar where he sits at the bar and the barman is his Jack. Jack Nicholson. Yeah. But it's not Jack. It's a guy that looks heaps like Jack Nicholson in The Shine.
1: Oh, it's not aged like sort of CGI Jack. It's, it's not no, actually that Jack Nicholson. Been,
0: that would have been so much better because in fact the guy they got is pretty good but doesn't look heaps. Like okay. it's got the right haircut, the right acting, but it, there's a real uncanny valley element to it. So the whole time you're like, oh, that's not Jack Nicholson and it throws you off it. But basically this whole time this guy's trying to convince him to drink and he's been like, hey, drinking's amazing. You should do it. And Danny's like, no, I'm a, you know, I've like, I've been to AA. And he's like, but drinking like solves all the p-. anyway, so and they had this weird altercation. So Rose arrives at the Overlook Hotel. And she also has like a long scene where she goes through all these rooms. And yeah, and at this point she sees the elevator spewing blood, which is so dumb um but they
1: yeah and she's like i haven't seen the shining like i don't know what this is
0: <laughs> i'm pretty sure they cut to her face and she's kind of like hmm.
1: <laughs> classic, cool. classic like, hmm like... <laughs>
0: so 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 they they go into so she meets them in the room where J- dan's dad did all the typing and dan has the axe that Sick. his dad used yeah, to try and man. kill them the iconic like, axe Anyway, at this point,
1: Here's they have a bit of an altercation,
0: <laughs> where Abra pulls Abra pulls uh, Rose into her mind, and it's the hedge maze from the end of The Shining. But the thing is, it's filled with all the boxes where he kept all the ghosts. And the idea is, hopefully, Dan's going to be able to trap her in one of these boxes as well, right?
1: Oh no, Rose is going to open those boxes, Shag
0: but Rose is super powerful now realizes realizes what's going on and you know forces herself out of the mind trap and they're back in the room and Dan's like Abra you got to get out of here and Rose pretty much overpowers Dan notices that he has steam and at this point she does a bit of exposition about how steam and psychic vampires work she's like Steam gets corrupted as you get older. That's why we go for kids. But your steam's pretty good and I'm going to enjoy it. Anyway, at this point, Dan's like, fuck, I know what I have to do. He goes into his mind, opens all the boxes in his mind with all the ghosts in it. At this point, it's kind of weird. So all the ghosts appear. And I guess because she's also a psychic vampire and has Shining or something as well, all the ghosts overpower Rose and like tear her apart and suck all her steam out.
1: Yes. which
0: at no point did we realise that people would also want to attack Rose for her steam.
1: I thought her her whole element was that she didn't have <laughs> any steam. She also desired steam. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 so, uh, so, like, is that the end of the film?
0: No, 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 okay. no, no. It keeps going, keeps going. So... The ghost killer, but they're still hungry. And then they say, Dan, they're like, shit, yeah. Like, we're all out of our boxes. We can finally consume Dan. But instead of consuming Dan, which would make sense, they suck him into the hotel and he becomes his dad. And he becomes the scary ghost man chasing Abra through the hotel with the axe. Mm,
1: and so it's, yes. it's like a...
0: It's, it's, so so it's, it's the shining all over again. And he finds Abra in room 237, which is the scary room. And he's about to kill her. And Abra's like, you idiot, you missed one thing. And because Dan's not Dan anymore. Dan's no. the, all the entirety of the Hotel Ghost. They're like, we know everything. There's nothing we could have missed. And they're like, no, before we came here, Dan stopped off in the boiler room and set it to... Like, I don't know how boilers work in old hotels. Yeah, but set apparently... it to
1: explode. Right <laughs> now. Right now.
0: <laughs> so we set it to explode and... The Dan, new Dan, Axe, Dad Dan, runs down to the boiler, but at that point, manages to come out of his possession because he has a vision of his mum hugging him. And like it's this beautiful it's actually like a really beautiful moment. And they hug and he doesn't set the boiler from explode mode and the hotel blows up while Abra's outside and Rose is inside as well. So they're all dead Sick. and we see the authorities showing up and Abra's just watching it, hoping Dan comes out, but knows secretly that Dan's dead.
1: I don't like the idea of cops approaching a young woman of colour next to a great big crime scene, being like, hmm, and she having to be like, yeah, it wasn't me who did this uh, crime. Uh, Yeah, okay.
0: So this actually exists in a world where there's no structural racism, and Abra's fine. Oh, good, okay. We we, we, (laughs) we, we, We cut to Abra sometime later, and... She's in her bedroom and she's talking to Danny, and they're just having a chat about cool stuff. And we realize at some point that now Danny's become the Dick Haller into Abra. Like, nice. he's dead, but he's a spirit and he exists to give her advice. The mum comes up, and it's one of those classic scenes where she's talking to Danny, but then the mum appears, and where Danny was, he's not there anymore. So we know he's a ghost. Mm. And the mum said, like, the mum's starting to just get used to the fact that Abra has the shining, because there's other theme that goes through it which is a weird again it's a really weird theme but basically like don't tell anyone you have the shining because they'll think you're crazy but Abra's slowly starting to reveal things to her mom and then she tells her mom like I can't remember how it comes up but she's basically like hey mom by the way don't worry about dad he's okay like you don't just turn to dust when you're dead he's fine and the mum's like cool and then at that point Abra notices that the scary naked woman bathwoman woman is in her house so then she goes into the bedroom sorry into the bathroom to lock it in a box in her mind and then that's the end of Doctor Sleep
1: yeah okay like I quite enjoyed that I must say uh, I don't enjoy the, the, fin- the finite resources trope that often happens in um, action movies I feel like it can sometimes be a bit of a lazy plot device of like oh We've only got enough petrol to get from A
0: to B. Oh, oh fuck Pete, you would have hated it in this film because they don't even really explain it. At one point, one member of the one member of the True Knot is basically like, "Well, there's just not as much steam as there used to be." And that's it. that's that's it. They are just basically like, "There, just, there just used to be heaps, now there's not." Bummer.
1: It would have been so annoying. It's like, oh, steam also makes you super powerful if you have apes. It's, it's great. It's like, oh, okay. It's like ghosts who are stuck in your head love, they bloody love a bit of steam, but it doesn't supercharge if- them. <laughs> that's not how it works. <laughs> so it sounds like a reasonably diverting but slightly irritating film with beautiful Ewan McGregor at the centre. That's That's basically my analysis.
0: My favourite part of it is definitely Ewan McGregor. He is a joy to watch, and I would follow him anywhere.
1: Last episode uh, on Two Spooko Didn't Watch, we referred to Robin Niven as a national treasure, um, and uh, fan of the pod, Rob, has pointed out to me that she was a staunch supporter of... Um, uh, disgusting, misogynist creep Jeffrey Rush. And so I think we have to issue a bit of a mild retraction for national treasure Robin Niven and say slightly misguided but very good actor Robin Niven.
0: Yeah, I, I think there's a grey area when if, if you're a friend of someone who's been cancelled... You have a t- like, you know. I think publicly supporting them is probably the wrong thing, but I don't think you can just defriend close friends if they've been cancelled.
1: It's tough. Like, this is probably not the time of the episode to get into it, but I do think it's tough time.
0: Fuck, like, yeah. Anyway, but in fact, you're right. No, no. Spooker, we're just hey, hanging hey,
1: out and having fun, my
0: P.S. Again, thank you mm. everybody who's made suggestions. Please keep mm. making them. H- hit up our um, hit up our Instagram. Just search Spooko. You'll find us. Um, also, please keep reviewing us on iTunes. Yes. That helps more people find the pod. Peach, what do you want to say?
1: Yeah, look, um, it's been a it's been a pretty refreshing episode. And um, look, it's time for me to wander over to the old fridge and crack open something just a little bit cheeky and a million Spooko points for guessing what it is.
0: What's up? What's
1: up? Uh, This was recorded at FBI Studios. Please like, subscribe and follow wherever you can and as much as you can. And Resh's, what's up?